Welcome back to Add Passion and Stir, where every week we talk to someone who set their sights on a problem and is working to change it. Today's conversation is a very special one and a special episode of Add Passion and Stir because we were able to speak with DC chef and restaurateur Eric Bruner Yang, who was on the ground in Medica, Poland, right on the border between Poland and Ukraine. Eric was there with Jose Andres's World Central kitchen, which was feeding hot and nourishing meals to tens of thousands of Ukrainian refugees right as they came across the border. When we spoke to Eric on the night of Monday, March 7th, uh, as continuous Russian attacks on a number of Ukrainian cities were sending as many as 2 million people to neighboring countries in search of safety, uh, that day alone, he had witnessed 35,000 refugees coming across the checkpoint. World Central Kitchen activated restaurants in Ukraine and four surrounding countries. They served hundreds of thousands of meals to families, and the organization plans to be there as long as it's needed. Eric, when he spoke to us, when he was on the border, was taking time away from his restaurants in Washington, D.C., Maketo, ABC Pony, uh, and food stalls in two D.C. markets. Uh, and he was doing that, as many humanitarians were, to respond to this unprecedented crisis in Eastern Europe. We'll be right back after this. Uh, Eric, welcome to Add Passion and Stir. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, Eric, t- tell, tell us exactly where you are, as, as close as you can tell us to where you are. Um, so for the last week, and I feel really bad because like my, my Polish is terrible. Um, I've been uh, kind of at this border stop. I believe it's properly maybe pronounced Midyaka, Miyaka. Um, and um, it is probably one of the biggest border stops um, in terms of um, refugees traveling through both countries um, in term, in regards to all the border stops. Sorry, I'm not very well-spoken today. I'm quite tired. Uh, I bet you are. How close to the border are you? Uh, we're basically right there. So it's like the Immigration Checkpoint Center. Um, there's uh, two entrances. So you're right on the border. Yeah, one entrance is for vehicles and one entrance for pedestrian traffic. Um, I'm here. I, today's my last day. Um, I've been here for about a week volunteering for World Central Kitchen. And, um, yeah, it's been um pretty intense. I mean, just from where you've been, uh, and I'm, I don't know if there's a difference between day and night, you can tell us, but from where you've been working, and I know you've been preparing food and feeding people, just what's it look like? Paint a, paint a word picture for us. Uh, what do you see and who are the folks that are coming over? Um, it's hard to describe or talk about because I still really haven't had the time to decompress it or process it, but, um, you know, still you know, the war has been going on for a little over a week now. Um, World Central Kitchen has basically been here since the very beginning. Um, at this point, they have stations um, uh, uh, assisting people almost at every border stop um, along multiple countries. And they've currently started um, providing meals inside of Ukraine as well. Uh, and it's quite an impressive operation. Um, you know, I only, I came to just be as helpful as possible. You guys know me pretty well. Um, you know, I'm super resourceful, uh, work well under weird circumstances, <laughs> um, and, and just try to make things happen. Right. And I think that's, what's been great about this experience is, 
um, you know, whatever skill set I have uh, was able to be put into use just to provide a little sense of comfort, even if it's just for a couple minutes um, to people that are going through an extreme experience. Um, now, my wife's family is Cambodian um, and, you know, they um, suffered through the Khmer Rouge and are refugees themselves. And um, I feel like that's why I had this kind of like calling to go and volunteer. Um, and yeah, the border is, 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 was probably once this kind of like cute little country town. Um, and you know, the first couple of days we were there, we're seeing 20,000 refugees a day. Uh, today we'll probably hit 35,000, 36,000 refugees in one day, in one day, just from this one stop. Oh my gosh. Um, roughly about, uh, roughly about a hundred thousand to 120,000 refugees coming through just the Poland side of the border. So we're not even talking about Moldova or Romania or Hungary. Um, and I think to date they're saying 1.5 million. So we're really seeing about 10% of that on a daily basis through the Poland side. And is everybody hungry? Does everybody that comes across need to be fed? They've come a long way. Well, I think as world central kitchen kitchen's foot, footprint has expanded, yes, people are hungry, but it was, one thing that really kind of touched me yesterday was, um, you know, we were serving meals. This is probably like one in the morning. It's below freezing, um, light um, snow that's not sticking. So everything's like a little bit damp and super cold. Um, and she had uh, multiple World Central Kitchen meals. So through her whole journey, she had been receiving meals from World Central Kitchen as she traveled from her town that she was from in Ukraine. And here on this border of Poland, we were trying to give her another meal before she was getting on the bus. And I think that um, was really the type of progress we saw happen there over the last five or six days. And uh, what are you actually cooking? What are you feeding people? Um, so I actually haven't done, I didn't really do much cooking at all. Um, they, have an, they have this really cool operation where, you know, they're, they're utilizing local restaurant partners, right? So we were receiving meals from all these re uh, Polish restaurants. Um, in towns that could make it to the border uh, quickly over a period of time. And then also they have a centralized warehouse where they're producing soups and stews like that. And so all of that was coming. I basically um, was helping a, a team leader there named Brack. And um, we quickly realized that this border was having two points of entry. Um, and we were having a difficult time. Um, being able to go back and forth through one of the main cooking areas where this restaurant partner um, ha had made this kind of like uh, hearth kitchen that could do a, like a 1500 soups at a time. Um, but as the border got more intense, it was becoming harder and more restrictive to move around. So we set up another station um, on the pedestrian entrance um, that was still not getting a lot of service. And so that was the project that I kind of took on um, so we could have two food service points at this border because the traffic was just so much. If we only had one, you know, we wouldn't be able to serve 30,000 um, people a day there. We needed two to three different tables where we could, could make it happen. And also there's so many different humanitarian aid groups and um, journalists, uh, locals that are wanting to help people traveling from, a, you know, from Sweden by car, you know, all these people all over the, all over Europe coming to provide support. Um, so I kind of ended up becoming this, like me and a couple, another, 
uh, a guy named Jakob who ran this church in a small town in Poland. We kind of had this like little corner of land that we were maintaining. Uh, we were trying to maintain its cleanliness. So a lot of people were dropping donations off that um, we kind of ended up m- managing because they're, they're still pretty young in terms of like what's happening there in terms of time. So there's really hasn't been someone that's like really in charge of all the systems that's happening there. It's all kind of volunteer based or aid based by different groups. Um, and so a lot of my time was just kind of maintain, helping maintain this corner, making sure we could feed people, making sure that it was safe and as clean as, you know, 30,000 people a day can be clean. Um, Cause we, we were really just a passing through point across the border uh, during the day, there's taxis, vans, buses, but then at night, they kind of tighten it up really because the traffic of refugees uh, increases rapidly um, because of the curfew on the Ukrainian side. Um, and so you have to take a bus that takes you to a welcome center that then you can go to your next travel. So, you know, hopefully they're not really at this border stop for too long. They can get somewhere and then go to the next step. Because it's it's very cold. It must be very cold. You like uh, I wonder how you get the chill out of you once it's in you, and us because are you're outside the whole the whole time. Yeah, I'm outside. You know, uh, sun sunrise, <laughs> the sunset. Yeah. Wow. And you mentioned other humanitarian groups uh, on scene. Uh, are there others that are doing uh, food and feeding, or is that all World Central Kitchen? Um, there is. Uh, World Central Kitchen is doing a good chunk of it, but there are a lot of different people that have come for one day to two days in a variety of different support. When I was in college, I was in a group called Food Not Bombs, and we would do like anti-war protests and cook food at them. Um, there is a Food Not Bombs group from Germany, so it's kind of cool to still see that around 20 years later, <laughs> you know? Jakob, who I was talking about, he has this church maybe four hours away from the border. And he's, his little church stayed um, for about three days next to us. And they did coffee and tea um, and then helped organize donations that were coming from their town, like diapers and stuff. So they set up boxes for people to get resupplied and stuff. So they transitioned. Um, but it's a pretty large, I don't know, say large, but there's a lot of going on in different areas. People just kind of trying to, helpful um in any way possible but i would say predominantly they were more local like the polish boy scouts came and they spent like two days just helping clean and that was really great um but in terms of like international ngos um or humanitarian aid groups i would say um none that i really noticed that were um doing anything impactful except for world central kitchen but that doesn't mean that it wasn't happening just i didn't see it i personally didn't see it physically yeah really extraordinary are they set up to be able to sustain this i mean this could be i think you know i think people have said a million five refugees have come out of ukraine uh they expect another at least three to four million it could get much worse than that um will world central kitchen be there throughout yeah they're they're it would be probably similar to all the work they did during COVID, which is we keep going until there's not a need. But, you know, I, I can only speak to my speak about it as my experience as a volunteer. I just wanted to help and they did. I reached out to help and 
that's I went there just to be as useful as if they told me to just pick up people from the airport, I would have been happy to. I mean, you sound like you were very focused on the task at hand, but were you able to step back and just look at what was happening? And um, like, I mean, what were you feeling while all this was going on? I'm sure a lot of things over seven days, but how would you describe just its impact on you? Uh, I think I won't really know that until I get back from home. I think like when you're in it, um, and it, it was it was almost like, and I, I think that's why something like World Central Kitchen works is like chefs are kind of like built for high pressure situations. I mean, it was really like as soon as we got there, it was like go 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 and, and stay clean, stay organized. You know, try to be a good communicator. And your job is pretty singularly focused on just you know try to service as many people as possible and. And that's what we did. And, and when it's that cold and there's that much going on around you, like the best way to kind of emotionally manage that is just to stay busy. And when you're at a border crossing that's slowly turning into a refugee camp, there's nothing, uh, there's always something to do to kind of, that can be useful and kind of keep your mind off of what's going on. Uh, and I'm told that, um, that um, an enormous number of, uh, Poles have welcomed people into their homes. That uh, Poland has actually done an amazing job so far of absorbing the refugees. Do you have any sense of that? A billion refugees into one country does requires a lot of patience. You know, it's a, it's a massive um, change to a lot of people. Um, and I think the Polish people in that particular town were super nice. Um, and every Polish person I've met has been super nice. It's a beautiful country and they're, ta- they're taking great care of their neighbors. You know, I'm just grateful that I was useful and was able to, able to provide some comfort to people. How much sleep have you had in the last week? Uh, uh, it's 11 o'clock here. My flight's at, gotta leave for the airport at four. So I'll take like a three hour nap and then get on the plane. Probably like three, four hours a day max. Wow. Are you ever going to be able to not do this? We'll see what it's like when I get home if if it wasn't too hard on everybody. Your family's going to be happy to see you. Uh, I'll let you go in just one minute. Um, I just wanted to ask you, you mentioned that people were coming from all over the world, driving from Sweden. Uh, any sense of how many chefs or restaurant colleagues like yourself from America have come? Um. No, I was like, once I was assigned my task, I was very much just like, that was my focus. I had, I met a, a guy named Grant who picked me up from the airport. Um, and he, his wife followed me on Instagram and they were living in Vienna. And, you know, he gave me a ride and, and, and drove me down to the border and decided to stay. And, and he's actually still staying and volunteering. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to stay a couple extra days because I need to train the new volunteers so they know our systems um, of what we're doing at this particular location. And I thought that was just really cool. And then another guy that follows me on Instagram, he has a coffee shop in Portland. He flew all the way over and helped me out. And it was like three, we're like the three amigos kind of <laughs> running our little area for a couple of days. And we had never met and we got along really well. And, and, and that, those were just people that reached out to me who found out that I was going. Incredible. Um, through and really through the whole Instagram. time there was just the three of us. We, yeah, we through Instagram. We woke up together at the same hotel. We drove every morning, worked twenty hours, drove back, 
And that was really, you know, we'd see World Central Kitchen people come and drop us more food and we're meeting all these different people from around the world. But really, it was just the three of us um, kind of having this experience working as a team to to just uh, maintain what was going on there. This project, this little side project that we started at this at this border for World Central Kitchen to up the feeding capacity. Wow, really incredible. Well, Eric, uh, all of us who know you are so proud of you and so grateful uh, that you stepped up to do this. It uh, It's really inspiring in so many ways, and I'm glad you're safe. I hope you get home safe. And uh, just on behalf of all of us at Share Our Strength and the No Kid Hungry campaign, uh, thanks to you and World Central Kitchen for this absolutely extraordinary and vital work. Yeah, and it's, it's my pleasure, and um, uh, thanks for having me. If you want to learn more about World Central Kitchen, the amazing work that they're doing around the world, and especially with Ukrainian refugees, please visit WCK.org. Uh, that's World Kitchen's website, WCK.org. And please visit AdPassionAndStir.com for more conversations like this one with thought leaders and people around the world who are sharing their strengths. If you like this episode, follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend rate the show so that others can find it. Add Passion and Stir is produced by Paul Whittle's team at District Productive, including our producer, Hunter Sense, and Joanna Weber of Papanaw, with support from our team at Share Strength in the No Kid Hungry campaign. That includes my sister, Debbie Shore, and also Pamela Taylor, Megan Cantrell, and Kelly Griffin. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Billy Shore.